Hey, Caucus Talk listeners, Eli here with an important announcement before our intro. COVID-19 is affecting a lot of communities around the world, and one community it's affecting here in the North Caucasus is local tour guides and tour operators. Andrew has had a really great idea, and he has started a GoFundMe campaign to raise money to donate to local tour guides whose income for 2020 has been really severely affected, some by half, some by a lot more. April, May, June, July, these are their key months. Uh, And unlike some other places in the world, a lot of these guys don't have reserves. They don't have backups. We'd like to invite you to check out the GoFundMe page. Link is in the show notes. Our immediate goal is $5,000. We are about a fifth, about a quarter of the way there. And we'd love your help if you care to donate. Uh, In terms of accountability, we'll be identifying recipients and distribute the funds through local businesses and charitable partners, not directly from us. And besides any credit card fees, 100% of your gift will go to support Caucasus families in need. Thanks for considering it. Enjoy the episode. Where are you actually in the world, Felix? So I'm in in Moscow, which is uh, my kind of, uh, for the most part, my home. Once you tilted your phone and I saw your chandelier, it gave it all away. (laughs) Then I knew. (laughs) You're listening to episode 70 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. And I'm your host, Eli. Thank you for listening. This is a landmark. 70 is huge, right? 7-0. If we were celebrating a marriage, it would be like... The Pearl, I don't know what anniversary wow. it would be. We'd That's be in there. our 90s. <laughs> uh, we're going to dive right in. We have an interview um, coming up with a British guy. Uh, you said our second, right, Andrew? Second British guest. We interviewed Richard, who trekked through a lot of the Caucasus last year. And it's UK. just, you know, it just raises the whole kind of esteem of the program to have a British accent on. There's, there's just no way around it. <laughs> especially when you have us. So um, this guy's a, a journalist. He's living in, in Moscow, um, and he has a, amazingly positive things to say about the North Caucasus. Yeah. I yeah, want to yeah, yeah. preface it with a short story that I heard. This is not a newsman. It's like story time with Uncle Andrew. Just a short story to get into kind of the subject matter. A friend, a friend just told me last week. So um, there's... A single American guy who's on a tourist visa here, and I was talking with him. He's living in Dagestan, wanting uh-huh. to study at the university, but they messed up his documents, so he can't no. <laughs> he, he can't get in until next year. So he's Ouch. here to just learn the language on the tourist visa he already has. Um, and he's living with another foreigner, an African guy, who... Huh is in the university in his last year doing like a legal studies or something. So oh, cool. it's uh they're out to a cafe just like minding their own business having dinner and the their server their waitress says um I just I was sent to tell you that your meal is being paid for by the folks over at that table. Huh. And they're like uh okay. Thank you. I mean, that's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. And so this guy doesn't speak Russian much yet. 
but his his friend does. They finish their meal and they walk over the table to say thank you. Just say thank you very much. And is there any reason you wanted to do that? <laughs> and the uh, the guy at the table has a short conversation with this guy's roommate, and he, he turns to this American. And he says, "the the man just says, please come back to Dagestan." Wow. I mean, he just saw two foreigners yeah. who were obviously like That's vis- so cool. visibly different and obviously speaking English. And that was his response. It was like, I'm just going to buy their dinner because I'm glad they're here and I want them to come back. And he didn't make a show of it. And yeah. At all. I mean, obviously he let them know he's doing it so they didn't pay. But yeah, it was without fanfare. I don't know. It's just so touching. That's really cool. I mean, I have a hard time when Andrew wants to like me to foot the bill and you know have coffee. It's like, you're my always wanting to go have these. Got to got to break you of that, a- Eli. Am I buying that coffee? Oh, okay. I, I always like to say <laughs> there's uh, there's a gift of giving hospitality, but it's really a gift to be able to receive hospitality. Actually, that's true. And you gotta you gotta <laughs> learn to accept it from people. That's awesome. I like that you told that story though, because so we've already mentioned on this podcast. Obviously, you and I are Americans who live here. Uh, this American guy and an African guy both studying, and then we've got a British guest coming up who lives in Moscow, and uh, he kind of is a writer in journalism. But yeah, foreigners live here in Russia. Like I want to say that <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always having these conversations with people, and it's like, why are you there? I mean, are there? Are you the only ones there? Right. And especially in the big cities, there are really big communities of uh, foreign expats, business people, uh, foreign language teachers, et cetera. But all over Russia, there's tons of foreign students who are not just studying Russian, but they're getting pharmaceutical degrees, um, legal businesses. degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot, huge, definitely foreign student population. Yeah. So. Anyways, yeah, I mean, in that sense, this is a destination for a lot of people. So So, props to all the expats. That just primes the pump again for our appreciation for Dagestan. So we're going to get in this interview with this guy, Andrew. Andrew just meets people. Actually, he contacted (laughs) us, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember, but we, we connected through some of our expat mutual friends. Yeah, so great interview with a fan of the Caucasus, Felix from the UK. Welcome to the studio hailing from the United Kingdom, a.k.a. England, a.k.a. Great Britain. A.k.a. the motherland. Go for it. Yours truly, Felix Light. Yes. Hi. Hi, guys. Welcome, Felix. And when yes. you say the studio, Andrew, you really mean that for the first time we are doing a recording, not in one, not in two locations, but in three locations. I think this is probably the first time in the history of the world Something has been recorded at the same time from Mahachkala, Pitigorsk, and Moscow. Now, that is a first. Absolutely. Felix, have you ever done it? I don't think so. Um, not, not that combination. Right. So, okay. <laughs> so there we go. Felix, 
Well, you are our, correct me if I'm wrong, Leah, I think you're our second British guest to be on the show. Ooh. Who was the yeah. first? Richard Hartfield. <laughs> the first will go. Oh, yeah, that's right, Richard. From the there. United Kingdom. <laughs> yes, I forget what city he was from. But uh, anyways, it's great to have you, Felix. Why don't you give a brief intro, introduction of yourself, overview to our listeners, and that'll all be new to us too. So, yeah. Sure. So um, this is all quite weird because I've been, I've been talking to you guys for like uh, probably the best part of a year now because right. like, yeah. I, I was sort of uh, putting together like a plan to go down to the North Caucasus and because there's like there's not that many resources ultimately out no, there. No. You sort of you, you latch onto the ones you do find, and like and you guys <laughs> were, you guys were incredibly <laughs> even, even it, and you guys were incredibly helpful, like okay. setting up like the kind of contacts and like just directions and stuff, and like also a really big thing um, in such an unknown part of the world is like telling you what not to do. You know, like uh-huh. don't go to XC because uh-huh, right. there's nothing there. Do not wear shorts in this republic or city. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like uh-huh. even like even not like that. You can kind of you can I mean, suss that you can out, find from it out looking around. Yeah. sure. but like you know, uh, just stupid stuff. Like you know, where I need to do like the the border permits and stuff like that so, so, so what you're sa- what i hear like, you saying is caucus talk is the world's best source for for <laughs> insider information in english on the north caucus all right I'll take uh, in, a, in a relatively uncrowded market you guys can hey, get. <laughs> we'll take it man <laughs> big big fish in a small pond yeah absolutely absolutely or, or absolutely so yeah so you uh you live in moscow correct felix yeah so I, I came to Moscow like kind of three years ago because, um, well, I, I, I'd always wanted to like learn Russian and always thought I'd do something related to Russia, whether that was like kind of academic stuff or journalism or whatever. And um, Can I interrupt right there? Yeah, I just, sure, I just, go, shoot. Where did that come from briefly? Like where did that start? Because not everyone wakes up one morning and yeah. says, you know what, I'm Russia bound. Well, that's the thing. It wasn't, it very much wasn't one morning. It was like, it was always something that I felt that I'd do at some point, but like, you know, unless you put yourself in the situation to actually do it, mm-hmm. you, you, you end up just endlessly putting it off. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. you know, right. uh, I'd kind of flirted with learning Russian probably on about like five different occasions oh, wow. throughout my life, you know, like I'd done like a few weeks of classes and then just got bored and got frustrated. It's a serious flirtation, I, like, I mean, Russian. I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause it's not the kind of thing that you can just like, you can sort of wing it. Right. You yeah. have to, you have to make a commitment. And yeah. I was just like, finish university. Okay. I'm going to go to Russia and I'm going to see what happens. And I'm going to like, you know, see, take whatever job I can find there. So, you know, like everyone I ended up like teaching English for a bit, mm-hmm. um, learn Russian. And then that kind of expands your horizons. You can start writing, you can start translating, you can start doing you know, various other number of things. Oh. And, Obviously, I said I was interested in like academic stuff, and I'm very. I, I was a historian, and I'm a historian, like kind of by education, mm-hmm. as they say. And I was really interested in like that kind of period around the, let's say, like the kind of the end of the Soviet Union, the first decades of the post-Soviet Russia. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, you, and I just kind of was like the Caucasus is such a huge presence in that kind of period. And like with, uh, with, 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 with the Chechen wars, obviously it's the obvious thing. Guys, I'm going to, as an aside here, I've got a drill in the next department. We understand <laughs> really yeah. well. What, 
what 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 are we gonna do? We're just gonna we gonna, gonna we're just gonna, gonna run with it. In there. We're gonna let this you is, suffer this the is that great insight to I guess you can uh, you can like layer the drill out. I'm just gonna focus in on that drill sound. <laughs> yeah. So like um yeah, this does happen like because no one stays at home in the day. Like <laughs> that's right. Um, this is what coronavirus quarantine is gonna be like. <laughs> um, he went there, Andrew. Some, he went there. Obnoxious, obnoxious dude with a, with, a, with a drill. <laughs> yeah. So basically, no, so I, you know, when you're when you're interested in that period, like the Caucasus is looming really largely, and you start to kind of like realize quite a few other things, like you know, um, you know, it's not the Euros that like Lermontov or whatever was writing about. You know, it's all big. It's big. Then. <laughs> Sorry, it's, Andrew the can't handle is, the drill. He thinks so it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like. <laughs> It's, you're not going to get away from it. I mean, this is great. No, yeah, Felix, uh, Eli always does a great job editing it down, so it'll it'll That's be fine. fine. All right, yeah. all right. The drill can make a cameo at least. We, <laughs> we talk about the drills a lot, like because they're a feature of life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't get away from it. So this is like truly a field recording now. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so basically, what I was getting at was yes, like, yeah, sorry, cooks are big, like it. It, it kind of it has this you know your russia is obviously like a really kind of centralized country and everything that matters is in moscow right and then like i always found myself being like hey what on earth is outside moscow mm. you know and almost ever, the answer is like in kind of a lot of terms like cultural political almost nothing uh you know like the country is so centralized on moscow and like you know uh, moscow uh, is so dominates yeah and then yeah. you kind of start with figuring out that in a little bit of a way the caucasus is a kind of an exception where like the urals isn't right like Right. You know, like to, to give an example today, like, you know, people know who, like, obviously the president of Chechnya is. People know who uh-huh. Ramzan is. They do not know who the president of, like, Tatarstan, like, Bashkortostan is. Like, it's just, Very it's true. just what, it's one other, you know, guy in a gray suit somewhere, right. you know, Interesting. Like, so, yeah. That's cool. I, I Now, uh, I'm sure our St. Petersburg listeners are aghast right now at yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. You, you putting Moscow at the center. But it's a good insight that, yes, and I think that. I don't know if that was pre-Soviet times, but definitely in front Soviet times, very centralized through Moscow. Right. Yeah. I mean, Petersburg is obviously a bit of an exception, but like compared to, you know, America, obviously where you guys are from, like, you know, you know, it's so, you know, you can find something in Chicago, you find something in LA, you find something in whatever, Charlotte, sure. North Carolina, sure. or whatever, like, but, but, it's, it was maybe a bit more relatable for me, actually. Cause Do you I know love, that's my hometown, is. Felix? Really? Come no on, way. shout, out, shout out to Charlotte. Yeah. That's crazy. He skipped no D.C., that's but funny. never mind. No, that's good. D.C. D.C. Ah, should be skipped. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Cool. <laughs> but you, yeah, you get, you get my point, right? Yeah, there's, definitely. There's something everywhere. That's a, that's a good uh, observation no. of how it feels here, kind of like this center of gravity. But when you come down the yeah. Caucasus, you get this feeling that it's like um, – it's its own little kind of universe unto itself. Yeah. And it plays that yeah, way. Yeah. It's funny you say that because um, that was, there's, there's an amazing book that um, I started kind of taking a little interest in the Caucasus and I was like, okay, how do I learn more? Mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of went on Amazon and Googled sure. books about the North Caucasus. And um, one came up that makes a very similar point to that. And the whole idea of the book is that it's just, you kind of leave Russia somewhere around like Stavropol, yeah, Kitigorsk, yeah. right? And you yeah. and the, the book is amazing. It's called Alice Mountains. It's by a guy called Sebastian oh, Smith, yeah, I think. I read that. Yeah, just incredible. Because what he does is like his entry point was, I think, the Chechen was because he'd reported there. But yeah. he 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 goes out of his way to write about everywhere, like all the little kind of nuances that you'll find in 
places, you know, covered in Abalcaria, which most people just, it's, it's just not on the radar. Sure. Yeah. But like there's, there are, there really are stories to tell there. There are stories in Dagestan and there are stories everywhere, you know, across the whole Absolutely. breadth of the region. And he did an amazing job of just diversifying, like, you know, making sure we get away from like Chechnya and like, you know, and talking about other you things know, I, as well. I don't, know, yes. I don't know if I said this on the podcast, Andrew, when I was buying a car, um, I was in... I went down to Nalchik, and my friend in Nalchik mm-hmm. was like, you really need to go to Russia to buy the car. Right, yeah. And like, they talk that way here. They're like, well, when you go to Russia, I mean, they recognize that they're like politically in Russia and that they're Russian passport holders, yeah. but they're talking mm-hmm. about it like, no, you, you're like not really in Russia down here. Yeah, yeah. And people always talk about like going, very much like going to Russia. You know, I mean, I remember talking to like a, uh, I was driving through Dagestani mountains with Renat, actually, our, our guide friend. Um, mm-hmm. And he, um, you know, like there's this big culture of like hitchhiking there. And we just took in this random kind of guy yeah. on the street. And he was just talking about like, yeah, it's cool that you live in Russia. I've only been to Russia once. Oh, you wow. know? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I've only been to like Kislevov once in my life. Right. Like, <laughs> you're from Dagestan, man. Like, <laughs> That's funny. So Felix, uh, you so you've been in you spent how how long in Moscow now, total? Um, about two and a half years. Two and a half years. Uh, you've learned the language. Um, you've taught some English. So, are you a? Would you identify yourself as a journalist by trade now? Is that right? Um, not probably. I, I do journalism. I would say, like you know, okay. I, it's it's a string in the bow. I guess. Um, I'm I'm actually. At the moment, I'm kind of t- deciding: Do I stay here and like try and pursue this a bit more, or do I go and just do a PhD on North Caucasus, basically? So uh, that's my kind of big, timely big question. Toss up there. Yeah, 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 I relate. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's 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 definitely something I do, and I'm I'm doing it a lot more as of these last few months. So you know, watch this space. That's uh, why I keep coming down to the Caucasus to do like kind of just any stories that interest me. Basically, so I just cool. came back from Dagestan, as we said. And hopefully coming back again too. That's awesome. So you, uh, I have two links of articles that you've had published in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So so you you're and you have a couple more coming out about Dagestan here. Yeah. In the coming months. Yeah. What has been kind of your focus in writing on the Caucasus? So it's not really a coincidence that I, the, the two articles I sent you before were about kind of Ossetia and North, yeah. North Ossetia in particular. Um, and the, these two are about Dagestan because I think those are the like, two most interesting republics for me. Yeah. So um, I think uh, Dagestan, you've just got such uh, an insane variety of like, there's, there's almost nowhere like it in the world. And it's almost like it reminds me of what, you know, historically, maybe other parts of Europe might have been like a hundred years ago, you know, before nationalism happened. And like, you know, we started like kind of assigning, you know, you know, you are, a, you know, you are X nationality, you are Y nationality. And Dagestan is incredibly well preserved. It's like just nothing I can almost relate to, you know, like there's, not, there's yeah. nothing like it in Europe. Um, wow. This is like, well, like, you know, the, Where's the what's the canonical number of nationalities in Dagestan? Like thirty-four, like something. Like that? Oh, yeah, the yeah. Ca- the canon of like <coughs> languages, a uh, super official, like very clearly delineated, is in the low thirties. And mm-hmm. but I've I spoke with an ethnographer local who said yeah. when you get into not only dialects but like significant dialectical differences, you're over a hundred. So I mean, that's yeah. a local guy saying that. Because I was I was talking 
just re- reporting a piece in Durban the other week, and there was they were saying that like in the Soviet period, the Soviet view was there are fourteen Dagestani nationalities, and like everyone should more or less belong to one of them. Oh, right. But like you know, sure. people are just kind of yeah, exactly. So like um, you know. Uh, Durban Jews had to kind of pretend to be Tats, which are kind of a semi-related people, but right. not the same for whatever reason. And oh, yeah, so you know the, the the ethnographic trend does seem to like be to say there's actually more than we ever thought. Right, like, and there yeah. is. The, I think there's probably some there's some amount of <clears throat> inflation to that. Um, but mm-hmm. we were speaking with a linguist, um, Polensky, Polensky, Doctor Polensky, mm-hmm. um, last yeah. year, mm-hmm. and yeah. she said even now they're finding more languages that they didn't really realize were there, like certain villages. Right, I mean, so right. on, on, on the linguistic academic side, like it is growing. So, yeah. And, and some yeah. are even, you know, disappearing from the North Caucasus at the same time. It's an interesting. Yeah. It's good. It's a good observation you make me, Felix. I, I mean, I talk to a lot of folks around the Caucasus. They're interested in what I do just because of tourism and travel. And many, many, many of them in the central Caucasus have never been to Dagestan. So uh, I often tell them, like, you just have to trust me. It's its own, like, part of the Caucasus. It's so different. Yeah. You know, there's so many nationalities. It's a lot yeah. bigger. There's way more mountain valleys. and Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, you know, I, I always kind of, you know, a lot of Russians do this as well. They kind of combine Chechnya, English Chechnya, and Dagestan as, like, Three right. slightly mm. scarier republics, but actually, yeah. it's just like it's it's Dagestan is just a world of its own. They're all all three of them are really different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. So you have you've written multiple pieces about North Ossetia. Also, got some coming out about Dagestan soon. Ha, has your travel in the region mainly been limited to those two places? Tell us a little about what you've seen as you've traveled through the Caucasus. So no, I've, I've, I kind of, I did this big trip this summer, uh, okay. which, which was the thing that brought me to you guys actually, you know, kind of just cause you were the obvious kind of guys to speak to about how to do something like that. Last and on to us. Yeah. As you said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, uh, needed, needed some help and you needed some friendly Happy advice. Help. Um, and I kind of, I went through like with the idea, I'm, I'm going to go everywhere. I'm going to see, I'm going to go to every like kind of, you know, that's awesome. little, little Republic, figure out what, figure out which is the most interesting and then see what happens. Um, <clears throat> so I have, <clears throat> I have, you know, in theory been uh, to all of them, uh, but cool. definitely my interest is kind of, let's say North Ossetia and East. So that's like, you know, North Ossetia, plus English Ossetia, Chechnya, Dagestan. Like, I think okay. that's the, the really intriguing area, the really like the one that, that keeps me coming back mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So, uh, I would really want you to speak to this, Felix. Um, I communicate with lots of different folks who want to travel through the region and there's extremes, you know, there's, there's some folks who really want like kind of the nicer guided experience. And then there's a lot of folks who want to backpack it and do it all on their own, like and experience it through their own eyes without the help of anybody else. Um, you in a lot of these places have like, you probably have a different local contact in every Republic. And I know you toured around some with like Rashid and Karachay Cherkessia, Renat and Dagestan, Vishan and Ingushetia. Can you speak a little to how that enhanced your experience doing it with a local person? Yeah, it, it, it absolutely did. Um, because so, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, I, I hang out on these various kind of like, you know, uh, 
let's say Facebook groups and things like that for, for, for kind of exotic travel and the North Caucasus is a big element yeah. of that because you know it's kind of this area with this, this appeal to people because it's seen as forbidden or whatever and un- unjustifiable so I would say <laughs> um, uh, and um, people are always just like you know talking about how they get from one city to the other but actually that's that's a really bad way to think about it because you know what 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 is special in the North Caucasus is not really the cities like they're nice or they yeah. can be nice you know some of them are not nice like you know <laughs> I mean not not yeah, that yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. nice but they're not interesting they're not necessarily uh, but, you know, big like, destinations yeah exactly um and what I found especially with guys like Vispan and Rashid and a really special shout out to Renat who's the guy in Mahachkala who's just incredible yeah. is that. Because when you're like driving around the mountains or something, and that, that's what the, the essence of the North Caucasus is like the mountain scenery. Like there might be some like beauty spot that doesn't really even have a name, and like right. you can't uh-huh. find you can't you can't find that. You know you can't like you it's can't not a location can't, on TripAdvisor. Yeah, you can't you can't read about it on you know Google, whether in Russian or in English, or probably not even in some local language. <laughs> you know, like you can't that that is you can't you can't get that you can't access that knowledge in any other way than through locals' eyes. Um, so yeah, I would I would say like that was the huge benefit of, of of having consistently having like guides throughout the whole region, basically. Man, that's awesome. That really puts a point on it because I feel like people who want to travel in a region like the North Caucasus, frankly, I would say the my my guess is most of them don't really just want to like get in their own car and follow their own tour book. You know, it's like they want to connect with the people and yeah. I think that's what locals are so proud of. It's like they are yeah. the the holders of this trust, you know, the sort of the Dagestan trust and it means everything to them. And so they want yeah. to share it. It's not like, you know, they don't want you just driving by. I think that's a a real a really close to their hearts. Yeah. And Dima 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 with Cox's Explorer, he really summed it up well one time on the podcast. He said, "You know, the architecture of some of the old structures, it's like middle class if you compare it to other parts of the world. And the mountains too, you know, you can see beautiful mountains everywhere, but the hospitality is world class, you know? And it's whatever you do in the Caucasus, you have to connect with the local people because that, that, yeah, that makes it so unique. Absolutely. Um, and that, that was kind of part of the way I, so I actually, I didn't stay in any hotels the whole way through the whole trip. I, I did couch surfing the whole way. Um, nice. you know, kind of the, sure. the, the internet service. And that was just incredible because actually I found a lot of these people through couch surfing as well. So like ah. Renat came to me through couch surfing because I was looking for someone in Akachkala to stay with. And he was just like, oh yeah, stay with me for free, but then we can drive around the mountains. You know, like, you know, <laughs> which is just awesome. Awesome. And like, he's such a, he's such a great guy for, for Dagestan. Like, you know, there's, there's, he's absolutely valuable for traveling there. That's so cool. Uh, So uh, you've written some, I don't know if you call them human interest pieces or definitely very, you've had a focus on historical events in your writing, and I'm not sure what's coming out about Dagestan. As a, I'm going to just call you a journalist just because that's cool. Um, As a journalist, uh, what have been like unique things you've observed about this region as you've written? interacted with people and traveled through it so i think it, it, it's it's you know it's it's kind of a point well made that you bring up the history element because i think 
ultimately, this is a region where the history is still really keenly felt um, because, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, we don't have to dwell on this, but like, you know, oftentimes that isn't a particularly pleasant history or a particularly easy history. Yeah. Um, and it really conditions the way people think about a lot of things like to this day yes. in so many different ways. And it, it's, and it, it, it's, it, it it defines almost almost everything like i'm always just like i'm always struck by like kind of the liveness of history here much more so than if you go actually south of the mountains to georgia or somewhere like well actually let's say georgia specifically because i think georgia is one country that's done that's just changed so much in the last 30 Mm -hmm. years and like has has really kind of let's say made strides in that regard and like it's it's also got a tough history, but it doesn't define it in the same way. In the Caucasus, you really, the North Caucasus, sorry, you really do feel that, that rawness, I think, uh, which just is so prominent in the way people relate to their surroundings and relate to their neighbors and relate to their past. I yeah. think. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from, that deep attachment to history for the, for the North Caucasus, Dagestan? Why is that so, so, so important to him? I think there's something about the landscape that that really binds people to it. Like, um, you know, I think uh, something about mountains creates a very intense sense of attraction. uh, Sorry, attraction um, of, of, let's say, attachment, attachment, belonging, of ownership. And then that, you know, um, that creates something really, really intense. And also just because, like, you know, this is the route, you know, every kind of, invader or you know war that's come to europe has often gone through like you know the caucasus this is a place that's always had a a difficult history and that really does you know it it gives people a sense of what could be lost you know and like it gives them a sense of what why what they have is important like you know why you know having a homeland having a a nationality is incredibly important and it's you know know. yeah that's great insight um yeah it's true i mean Every single I'm week just here. here no, it's awesome. great. I mean, every every week I have a conversation with somebody, and within thirty seconds we're going three hundred years back in history, uh, like of their initiative. It blows me away how that how often that happens. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Very cool. So, uh, what would be like some of the top places you would recommend our? Uh, listeners to visit if they have a chance i know you mentioned you you are inclined to the eastern part of the caucasus but yeah well i've got opinions on other things as well (laughs) (laughs) so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna blow you away with this one that um basically the most beautiful place in the caucasus single most beautiful place in the north caucasus is actually donbai i think which is just you know which you know for the but, you know, for, for, for general information, is um, probably almost one of the westernmost spots in the whole area yes. that yeah. we're talking about. So, as far from my kind of area of interest as you can get, almost. But like, uh, it's this incredible mountain valley that um, uh, has had this kind of quite ugly Soviet ski resort built at the bottom. But it almost <laughs> just it almost just just makes it that makes the insane beauty of the actual natural surroundings better like you know like you 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 come you kind of round this corner yes. of this enormous valley and you end up in this kind of it's the valley head i guess it's the, the, the very end of the the Tiberta valley i think yeah. um and you're just like 
oh my you know words you know like it's just extraordinary like you know and you're um, and you're deep you're in it it feels like you're in a funnel and then when tight. you finally yeah. start going up then you get the views but, yeah my overriding impression of that place was just like how vertical it yeah. is like mm-hmm. you know how it's yeah, just totally. it's these incredibly you know these kind of crazy angular slopes with all with like you know just completely coated in these just you know fir trees mm-hmm. and it's just it's just amazing like i i've never been anywhere like it like, cool. it's extraordinary place like yeah That's um awesome. there's one yeah. building right there i don't think it's even inhabited it's some like is Soviet... it the egg the weird egg yeah yeah i no. <laughs> i it's called like what do you call it that egg thing like, on no, the not the, no 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 not no, the you're egg. talking about the observatory um, uh, yeah, yeah. Un, okay. like an unfinished building Eli. It's, this, yeah. it's like dark dark brown oh it is so so yeah yeah, yeah yeah and it's just that big it's, it's that big hotel that big with hotel the weird thing balconies, yes. isn't it? and yeah, on the yeah, one yeah. hand i'm like what i wouldn't give for like to come in with a demolition team and like you know load it with dynamite and just blow it up because it's so ugly but on the other hand i like what you said it's like it's such character i mean i don't even yeah, know what's it, in it, there anyway it's it's, it's weird because like the town the, the little i mean it's not even a town it's kind of like a almost like a ski base or yeah, something yeah. It? like it has yeah. very, i'm not sure very many people live there at all but it is it's it's extraordinary like how a really hot, disgustingly ugly town can just accentuate the beauty of and the, and there are new like. things and there are lovely buildings and nice places yeah, to stay yeah, there but are. it's just got some of those characters. Yeah, there are some lovely little hotels and um yeah that 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 Soviet one you mentioned it really sticks in my mind like it was um, just a uh, an incredible like just, just huh. building yeah. um and I, I quite liked it actually like in a weird way maybe like, we need to refurb yeah. it as part of the new East, you know? <laughs> yeah why not why not <laughs> that's awesome so Dumbai, that's uh Karta Cherkessia, western caucasus any if what if you had to pick just briefly one spot in Ossetia and one spot in dagestan since you've mentioned those places so here's the thing um i don't actually know i've never really been to the mountains of Ossetia weirdly oh, okay. um my interest in aesthetics is actually largely on the back of vladikavkaz gotcha. uh, which i just think is an awesome city yeah, um, it's a cool city uh it's got this uh it's like um do you know like there's a really kind of depressing thing how like a lot of russian cities are basically the same and, and you know not not very interesting in their own way you know like you can go from you know across the kind of whole mass of eurasia and you can see a lot of very safe cities but Vladikavkaz yeah. really isn't one of those ones like yeah. it's, pro- it's 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 a it's its own thing like it's um huh. it, it looks like kind of again like a bit like Tbilisi but without all the tourism mm. it's it's got a really unique it's like you know very it's very much like kind of an imperial city mm. do you know what I mean like it's, it's kind of like a, an old I always think like you know how that that word Vladikavkaz like you know to rule the Caucasus. yeah Rough, rough translation right. it's kind of like all those cities you get in the caribbean called like kingstown uh-huh. or george's you know all those like uh-huh. you know like that you know you know what i mean like those kind of colonial names you know it's it's a really unique thing they've got there i think and it's it's just a really beautiful city as well really lovely laid out amazing scenery like just they, and actually the locals they they have coined the term vladikavkaz as the cultural capital of the caucasus what if we got this term trending? You know, they say St. Petersburg is the cultural capital of Russia. What if we, what if we start get trending? Vladikavkaz. <laughs> like they're coming through the wall. They're coming yeah, for I know. you. I'm a, bit alarmed, I'm a bit alarmed, really. 
Can we actually record you getting into a fight with a, a yell, yelling fight with this guy? Yelling match on the wall. What's next for you? What's next? Um, so potentially going to start a, a master's degree leading to a PhD um, on a setting history, actually, funnily enough. Wow. Um, starting potentially in September. Yeah, either that, but then also I quite like, I do really like Moscow and living here and like as a kind of, as a kind of home base, it's awesome to be able to travel to all these places with such a degree of ease. So yeah. like, yeah. I'm kind of just like, oh, if I can find an excuse uh, to stay, then I will take that excuse. <laughs> like, you know, uh, absolutely, without a, without a doubt. You know, I right. I love, I love, I, I think a bit of a kind of a non sequitur, but Moscow is an amazing city and I really love it. Um, you know, it's another polarizing city, you know, but like, I think it's incredible. Um, I love living here. Yeah. And uh, I, I like the ability to just, you know, take a, two-hour flight to Mahachkala or something, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. it's just really great. You know? So I, I feel like a lot of Westerners, especially just, they don't understand that many foreigners do move to Russia to live there and work, you know, or pursue their dream or passion or whatever. Um, can you speak to that a little? Like what kind of place is Moscow to live and is Russia to live as an expat? Great question. So, Interesting. So um, I'm really interested in what you guys have to say about this as well, because I'm assuming you must be near enough the only Americans and possibly the only kind of foreigners, Westerners, certainly in your respective cities. Yeah, there's there's a couple more, but it's just, we, all, we all know each other. So yeah. there's not many yeah, of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Moscow is, there's a deep, as you said, there's a decent number of foreigners. There's a lot less than there was a few years ago. Huh, okay. There's, so... Um, the Moscow Times, which is a really good, really good source of information on, on yeah, English language information on Russia, which is really excellent. Um, so they did a, they did a, I think a freedom of information request a few years ago, which was that in um, 2014 there were about 140,000 British people in Moscow. Today there are about, yeah, yeah, today there are about 20,000. So like wow. there's a, a real collapse in the last few years, but. That's not. That's no small number, you know. That's still no. That's, that's way still, more than I thought. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's like it's it's not it's not small. Um, what I would say is that you have to want, you know, if you want to just live abroad, you can you can do that easier than you can in Russia. Let's be real. Like you know, there's visas and there's a language barrier. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can go and you can go and live in Kiev or something pretty much without a visa, and you get a. a and uh, not the same, but a similar-ish cultural mm-hmm. experience. Right. What you get in Russia is a lot of people who are very passionate about the country and about the, about being here, and they love it, and they really kind of they really like the fact that they're here, and they love living in Russia, and they and they they have a reason to be here, which I think is incredibly refreshing. Um, and you know, I, I'd like to think that kind of all three of us kind of you know show this one up because you know. Life isn't the easiest, you know, necessarily in Pitagorsk or in Makhachkala, but there is, you get something and you take something Of away. course. You, know, you really yeah, get right. such a, yeah. And like, you know, there, it's such a, what I always tell people when, because, you know, a lot of people maybe from my motherland, as you might say, are always like, are always like kind of, when are you going to move back? And I'm just like, I'm going to move back when I stop learning. You know, like, I, you know, mm. I'm, it's an endlessly educational experience just being here. I constantly find out new things. I constantly have my, opinions and my preconceptions challenged and that's what I love about Russia. But you know, Felix, I just want to say it is not everyone who can do that or wants to do that. I mean, a lot of sure. of your thriving in Russia is that 
is that predisposition that you just mentioned. Your desire to learn, not just intellectually, but to be like influenced and acted upon and have those preconceptions challenged. Um, like that's really something special that you bring with you. You know, that makes oh, you, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that makes you um, someone who can yeah. bridge. So you're not just sitting there being polemical and, you know, living there and writing in a polemical way, which is possible. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah. a real strength. Well, that is also a particular reason why, just to steer it back, I guess, to the North Caucasus, like, you know, the North Caucasus is a place that has has really suffered from, like, an abundance of preconceptions, not always accurate. Yeah. Like, and uh, this trip that I took this summer was probably the most intense, like, you know, compressed <laughs> learning learning experience that I've had in my life. Probably like, eating uh, experience, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not at all. No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so there's, yeah. Um, it, it was intense on every sensory level, let's say. It's <laughs> a good, good word to describe yeah, yeah, life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Were you here a month and a half? How long were you here total? Oh, wow. Um, so That's I... Such good yeah, exposure to the so region. I, I think I was there in total a month and a half, but like I, in like kind of you, what you guys would maybe dub the North Caucasus, probably a, uh, maybe more like a month or even a bit okay. less, three weeks. Um, so... I started off in Rostov, which is, it's got, definitely got a Caucasian vibe to it. And you start, and you definitely feel like you're out of kind of core Russia. Okay. And then I finished up in Azerbaijan as well. Uh, no, wow. no, finished up, finished up in Georgia by way of Azerbaijan. Okay. Nice. That's awesome. All right. I have to ask this question. Uh, this is one of my curveball questions, Felix. I've always wanted to ask a journalist this question. Okay, shoot. And by always, I mean since we started this podcast. Um, <laughs> what is your take on caucus talk from a journalistic perspective? Mm-hmm. So You're under oath, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you so have to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, no, don't, don't, don't worry at all. So, look, I, I, have, I think it's a really interesting, like, there's very much like a North Caucasus community. It's like a, a very, fairly small group of people who, you know, are engaged in it like professionally, academically, intellectually, whatever. Um, and they all know each other <laughs> because yeah. like, that's, that's just, that's what happens in small communities. Yeah. And I, I've always found it like, you know, it was an incredible resource for me planning this trip. It was incredibly educational. And I think like, you know, the job of a, the job of a journalist, or at least the kind of journalist that I at least see myself as doing is essentially just to like pass people's stories into like you know you know a format that people will 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 go out of their way to enjoy and to read and in that sense um something like caucus talk was just incredible for 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 opening my eyes to how much kind of you you know it's it's cool you used the word human interest earlier like you know for how much human interest there is in the north caucuses how many kind of incredibly like you know uh kind of unlikely and fascinating stories. So like, you know, the one that really sticks in my mind that I've got coming out in about two weeks um, was I went to do a thing about Jews in Durban because mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. everyone was just like, no way there are Jews in Dagestan. Right. Like, scary, da- scary, yeah, like, yeah. you know, Dagestan. Because you know, <laughs> I think, you know, for Russians, I certainly find like, you know, Dagestan is like, it's a byword for like 
scary place, a scary place like you know it's like wow. and, and a lot of Dagestanis I said you know we're really kind of hobbled by the fact that we've got Stan in our name because people just think of Afghanistan when they think of us like, right and, you know it's, it's, a, it's, it's a marketing problem and then but you go there and you're like not only as we touched on earlier is this incredibly unbelievably un- a diverse place that you just you, there's nothing like it in the world but more to the point like you, you find these bizarre stories like Jews and Armenians living in a city like Durban, which is, you know, just yeah. an extraordinary, an extraordinary kind of just testament to, I don't know, community will to survive and yeah. like tolerance and all good things, basically. Sure. It was a really uplifting story to write. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, we're going to definitely uh, link your articles in our show notes for our uh, listeners who are interested. Um, and for the record, we've never claimed to be journalistic. I mean, let's just be honest. No, I mean, it's good to get the perspective because I'd also like to know. I mean, we're not coming out saying like we're we're self consciously biased. You know, it's like we're trying to do, uh, rep, you know, report good things and positive news. Yeah, 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 that yeah, doesn't sure, get sure. to see the light of day. So, like, we know that we're not coming in with sort of this like neutral. Stance. Sure, but I'm sure I, there are ways we can prove. Like what. Do you have any suggestions? And I'm totally no. I, 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 I like it's it's not absolutely not my business to <laughs> tell you how you should do no, this. But like, asking. what I find like, um, so one of the one of the themes that I'm kind of interested in, I guess, is how like you know the North the North Caucasus today certainly is like a story of like of endurance and thriving through like actually really t- consistently really trying circumstances yep, yep, yep. and that that in its own way is quite uplifting right and like you know it's not you don't always find yourself writing like absolutely kind of 100 percent positive things but you do right. find right. yourself writing about how humans sure. survive and how humans right. keep going yeah. like and 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 you know and you know I, i'd actually preface this by saying like um what I really like about what you guys do is that, like, um, uh, I, I think, like, generally, a lot of our assumptions of the North Caucasus are kind of based on data from, like, maybe five years ago yeah. when it was a much more, it was a, you know, like, I assume the State Department does this as well, but the British Foreign Office says, do not go to Dagestan, Chechnya, or Ingushetia under any circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, and, and I'm just like, that's so, un- like, you know, anyone, you talk to anyone in, in Dagestan and they will say, Things that now are so much better than they were in 2014 yep. or even 2015. Yep. Yep. Like yep. Um, everything has got so much better. Like you know, just um, and and you know these kind of uh, kind of folk perceptions and even government perceptions of the North Caucasus are just so far behind the curve of where is. the region is at at the moment. Yeah. And you know that that difficult history is still there. And as I said before, it it, it cloud it does cast a shadow and it does defend how pe- you know define how people operate to a large extent, but. There's so much more to focus on. Cool. There's so much more. And I, and I think you guys do a really well, nice job. We really appreciate that. Not not fishing for compliments, but thank you. Really. Yeah, really yeah. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Cool. Well, uh, Felix, we've got to ask you. Um, so you have a really interesting take on this region. You've written about it. You've traveled here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're a foreigner, but you speak the language. So you really have kind of the insider-outsider perspective. Uh, and you live in Moscow, which is unique. Um, you're one of the Muscovites. Um, so what is one thing you would like to tell the world about the North Caucasus? Boil it down for us. Um, it's not, okay. I actually go back to what I just said. It's so much safer than, than, than you'd ever think. It's so, it's so, 
in fact, it's actually like, you know, you will have the, mo- the time of your life here. You will not even, be- you will, there's an incredible dissonance, right? Like you'll, you'll, you'll be really scared and nervous. And I was, and then you get there and you're like, what the heck, what on earth? Like, yeah. what, what was wrong? What was wrong? Like, you know, like, you know, you consistently meet like people who go out of their way to kind of, to, to charm you and to help you and to do everything they possibly can for you. And that's just so so valuable like a kind of human interaction and you will never you will never ever regret coming to the more focuses basically never um yeah that's, that's what it's thanks man <laughs> strong no, words not at all not at all meant <laughs> meant very much from an extrovert <laughs> source love it next time you come to dagestan we have a couch waiting for you uh, yeah, that's and awesome. T and Emil, we need to get together. I, I speak to from experience. Call. Couch surfing with the Moyers is one you'll never forget. <laughs> uh, we have lots awesome. of awesome. rugrats who will <laughs> wake, come and invade your couch in the morning and wake you up. No, uh, <laughs> but, but please, awesome. Yeah, yeah awesome. I will absolutely. I want to. I want to potentially come down in May for this. Um, well, I, I, I found out about this fort, this sea fort off Kaspiesk. Do you know this place? Um, it's an ancient, like, Soviet sea fort that Renat was like, yeah, we'll hire a boat. So, on an island? It's like, yeah, wow. on, on an artificial island. All right, think, we are continuing this conversation <laughs> because I have to yeah, be yeah, on yeah. that boat with you. That, that just like, became a non-negotiable. Yeah, I will send you some photos. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. That's exactly what you said. It's like... Nobody knows about this. Like, who writes about this? Yeah, yeah, nobody. Off like, Kaspiesk, um, it's like... 20 minutes away. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Right. And like, you know, this is one of the most amazing things with, you know, this is actually back to what we talked about earlier with just the, the, the importance to having a guy yeah. or like just a guy who knows, like just, yeah, yeah. you know, um, Dagestan, which is so big and so full of just stuff. Like it's just completely invaluable yeah. to have someone yeah. with you and like, be able to show you like how to navigate the city and how to navigate the country and whatever. Wow. That's awesome. Good stuff. Well, we look forward to hearing about your uh, artificial Kaspisk Island adventure. <laughs> yeah. In the near I'm future. not sure how I can kind of, what I can, what journalists <laughs> I can do on that, but I'm going to think of something, I promise. Eli, <laughs> take your camera. At least you guys can film oh, something out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I'm in, unabashedly inviting myself along, so. Um. Do it, do it. With pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Well, Felix, thanks cool. so much for joining with us. Um, uh, this this was great. It was a really unique perspective, and uh, we wish you wish you the best in your future endeavors. Absolutely. Cheers, guys! Thank you. You, you both of you too. Thanks.